0: Evernational Orienteering Podcast. Mapping Converse, Navigation Skill, Orienteering Competition. I've met no on, on Running like a motherfucker. Orienteering Podcast. Yes, uh, really warm welcome to Evernational Orienteering Podcast. Uh, the calendar is uh, showing in March, and we uh, think it will become spring soon, but. Uh, Then we'll see here in Norway we have a really great snowfall and I think all over the Nordic countries. So uh, the winter is uh, pulling us back in again. But uh, even though there have been some uh, races this uh, weekend. And how is it in Switzerland, uh, Ivo? Is it snow there also? Yeah,
1: last weekend it came a bit of snow. Uh, So on Saturday I was running uh, a local night competition and. uh, yeah, in the in the lower areas there was no snow, and then we were running on top of a small hill, and there was some snow and some tracks in the snow. But uh, now today the the warm weather has come here, so it was been fifteen, sixteen degrees, and a very nice day. So now I'm just looking forward and expect it to be like this for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, that's uh, nice, really nice to hear, as uh, Per Forsberg would said, but but. Uh... But uh, there was uh, some uh, snow uh, uh, in the areas where they were uh, uh, competing in uh, Denmark and uh, Sweden this uh, weekend.
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit of snow, but luckily not enough to cancel the races. So there was some, there we have some orienteering to talk about.
0: Yeah, uh, it was Nourysk uh, uh, two days in uh, In uh, Denmark, actually, three competitions there and uh, Holland's Premier in Sweden. And uh, also we have some uh, from uh, further down in Europe. Um, uh, There was uh, one orienteer from Norway who said that the best thing about retiring um, from orienteering was uh, that uh, she didn't need to go to Denmark in March anymore because of the windy and cold uh, March in uh, Denmark, and uh, I think it was quite cold uh, also this uh, weekend, but uh, there was uh, maybe some results that will uh, warm us. Uh, did you uh, see any spectacular there? Yeah, I
1: mean, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not been the best start list uh, there's ever been on the Nordisk, but some really good runners were on the start list, and we saw some of them are in yeah, in, in, in good conditions before the, the real star season starts soon. Uh, so if we start with the night race, uh, they had, there were two Norwegian victories, uh, both for men and women. Uh, in the women's class, Maria Andersen, the veteran, she won ahead of the, the young Norwegian-Danish girl, Lotte Markvissen. And then there was another Norwegian in third uh, with the young Anna Takstal. So the night race was uh, very good for Norway, uh, both for women and the men, because in the men there was also three Norwegians in top. Uh, Blage Takle, one of the guys from the Norwegian junior, World Championship team last year. Uh, he took the win ahead of Anders Haugskot and Sander Tony Fingerson. So co- almost a complete sweep for Norway in the night race here.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the uh, youth uh, runners. There, uh, uh, there was uh, Anna Bot, Anna Tockstal, Brog and uh, Sander tonje Fingerson uh, are on the Norwegian Junior National Team. And um, at least the two guys uh, ran a jaywalk uh, last year. Uh, the Sander, he only ran the forest race, but uh, Bragg was uh, both uh, there during summer and uh, in the autumn. Yep.
1: So, but if, if Norway were dominating the, the night race, the, Dan- the Danish, they hit back in the, in the long distance the following day. So if you start with the women, uh, the young Danish national team runner Hedvig Gydersen, she won with a uh, 45 seconds margin ahead of Nikolini Klysner, and then Lotte Markussen in third place, so it's her second podium in two days.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, you mentioned she, she's Norwegian, but actually she's uh, she's not Norwegian. She's, uh, <laughs> That's true. she's a Dane and a Finnish uh, half and half, I think, yeah, yeah. But but she's she
1: she's been living in Norway, growing up in Norway. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. she's from uh, Oslo. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, orienting uh, born in Oslo, Oslo in uh, outside outside Oslo. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, but
1: the, yeah, some of course you're right with the family bonds are Finnish and Danish, and that's why she's running for Denmark.
0: Her mother was actually a really good handballer uh, at her time. Uh, playing with Anya Andersson, the real, uh, uh, yeah, what should we call it, the, the Pelé in the women's handball uh, 20 years ago. But uh, that's another history. How was it in the men's class here?
1: Yeah, so in the men's class, we got a really, really big victory uh, by the experienced runner Rico Mugensen. Uh So he won with more than six minutes margin ahead of... Uh, the young Norwegian Vegar Kittelsen with another pretty young Norwegian Sindre in third place. So big win, big margin win here. So big, big difference. Uh, I mean, I saw the course; it was the terrain was, uh, yeah, the first part of it was uh, out in the open beach area, and then there was into some really green forest. Uh, but still, the the course was quite flat, so. Yeah, I mean, six minutes winning margin in such a race, it's a, that's a really big difference.
0: Yeah, and uh, we know uh, Vega Kittes, and he, um, yeah, he was number five, uh, but that was the middle distance Norwegian Champs uh, last year. So it's a really good uh, technical runner uh, on his days. But uh, yeah, uh, this was not uh, middle distance. It was uh, 95 minutes running. So yeah, uh, yeah, it looks good for Mugensund there. Yeah, uh, we know that he he ran the the World
1: Cup final uh, in Davos last year, uh, qualifying for the Danish team there. Uh, but from what I've been seeing, he's not aiming for the national team this
0: year. Only for, only for the the Danish races. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the winner in the women's class on the middle on Sunday. Uh, it's interesting uh, how she will uh, do this year. Uh, Guderson. Yeah, no, she, no. She... Oh. I mean uh, the Sunday, Marianne Andersson. If uh, she is uh, also going uh, for uh, yeah, internationally this year.
1: Ah, yeah. So you're jumping for for the, the middle distance, uh, where of course yeah. Marianne Andersson. She won uh, 15 seconds ahead of Cecilie Klissner, and then the young Dane Hedvig Gudusen in third place. Uh, she was only 20 seconds behind, and then we had the twin sister, Nicoline Chisner in fourth place, only 33 seconds behind, so we're a really close race there.
0: Yeah, is it's, uh, it's that a sign of a good uh, level? Uh, how do you analyze that?
1: Uh, well, I think uh, of course, the, the, the Danish girls are pretty good in Danish terrain, of course, and we know that Marianne Andersen, she's an experienced runner, she's been competing in Denmark a lot over the years. Uh, so, One would assume that uh, they are quite familiar with its type of terrain and how to do good orienteering here. Uh, But I think it's a bit too close to expect it to be very, very high international
0: level. Uh, But I think also we talked about the snow. The starting position could uh, affect a little bit of the results also. Um, Yeah, But but even though uh, uh, races in March... uh, uh, you should uh, yeah, not overanalyze. But uh, I think it's interesting to see what uh, Anussen will be up to this uh, year. If she's going yeah. for an international season.
1: And it's always a good sign to win competitions. Uh, and now this maybe it wasn't the best, uh, highest level of competition here. But uh, she ran two races and won two times. So uh, that's uh, something that should make her optimistic about uh, the spring season.
0: We know that uh, Anna Maria Tehuski and Uberg, she ran uh, in the Norwegian Nash, uh, World uh, World Cup team uh, or I mean WUC team in uh, uh, twenty nineteen when she was uh, forty three years old. So uh, that's the same age as Anuson uh, has uh, this season. So yeah, it's not impossible. No, it's not
1: impossible. Um, but I guess we will see when. Yeah, when the Norwegian team has the selection races for the World Cup, uh, the first World Cup round, the selection races will be in four or five weeks' time. So I expect Marian Andersen to really be motivated to show herself uh, in those races. And I think when we see her there, we will have a pretty good pictures whether we, she will be contending for a spot in the Norwegian walk team this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the men's class in the middle uh, to, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh,
1: Rico Mugensen, he won the long distance, but in the middle distance, he got beaten by Magnus Devett. Uh, 18 seconds, were separating them. And then in third place, we have Asbjorn Karl uh, a bit one bit more than one minute behind. Uh, I think Asbjorn Karl is a first-year elite runner. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I think he was running the J-Walk last year, but I'm not sure.
0: Uh, and uh, we know that the vet who is winning here uh, He has not been focusing uh, in the uh, technical part uh, this winter. He's been on a high altitude camp in Uganda, I think. Before, yeah, I think
1: he's uh, been both in Uganda and maybe also in Kenya. Um, I think he was in Uganda together with Ralph Street and Thomas Krivda and Milov Nikodim uh, in January. And then I'm not sure. I think he was maybe in Kenya after that with some other Danish runners. So his speed is uh, is good, of course, and uh, in this uh, in this terrain he can also do pretty good orienteering. So then it
0: was enough for a victory here. Yeah, he got uh, yeah technique. It fitted him better on uh, yeah the last day. And uh, we also note that the national team coach uh, Tuulison was beaten by the his. Uh, He's adapts. Uh, that's always is good. Yeah, it's it's a
1: bad sign if your national team coach are winning uh, the national competitions. But I see that there are there are some runners in the national team that that got beaten by their coach. Uh, but that's also you know something we see in Norway all the time when Anders Nurberg is participating.
0: Yeah, when is uh, when when Nuremberg is uh, picking for the Norwegian champs? Uh, he has uh, two bronze medals two years in a row now. And, uh, yeah, and there you have uh, your hands full to deal with him uh, in the middle distance there, the national team runners. Uh, but we can jump over um, to uh, Sweden and Holland's premier and who also had uh, three competitions this uh, weekend.
1: Yeah, so jumping from Sweden to Denmark, there was, I think there was a little bit of snow also in this region, but not too much. Uh, so on Friday, it started with a night race. Uh, in the women's class, the Russian girl running for leading Veronica Kalinina, the former Junior World Championship in long distance, uh, she took a big win ahead of Janne Hagord with Johanna Böreson-Eriksson in third place. Uh, the difference was uh, five minutes, so quite big win for winning margin for Kalinina. Uh, while it, in, in the men's class, it was much closer. and. Simon Wikström from Sävedal, he took an important victory ahead of Filip Ossiansson from YF You know, the the fight between the Jotteborg club, it's always important to win there. So a, a good start of the season for Sävedal here. Uh, and then from those two, it was a bigger gap down to number three, Leo Johansson. He was two and a half minutes behind.
0: Uh, what do you think uh, about uh, yeah Simon Wikstrom? He was uh, he will definitely be at uh, the Milla team in uh, mm-hmm. Svedal. But uh, Ossiansson and one of the favorites team IFK Göteborg. Uh, any thoughts of that? Yeah, I
1: think Filip uh, Ossiansson. is one of the most important runners in in IFK Ytterbo's team. Uh, he is one of their best night runners. Uh, so he will for sure be in the team if he's. Uh, Injury-free and healthy. Uh, and we know that Simon Wikström, he ran a fantastic leg at Tio last year. Uh, on the long third leg, he was uh, running alone in the front, coming along to the changeover. So, both him and Philipp Osthansson are really, really good night torrentiers. So, here it's probably been a quite high level of performance.
0: Uh, wasn't it uh, that everyone was uh, commenting on the Nürburgring there on the second leg? Yeah. Because uh, Wikstrom did didn't have any GPS uh, tracker. Ah, yeah,
1: that's true. So, on the GPS, it was always Nidal and Anders bike that was in the lead. But then uh, Simon Wikstrom was running in front of him with no GPS. Uh, but then, you know, Sevdon they did a really good team last year. So, I think maybe this year
0: they will get the GPS. So, then
1: we can see Simon Wikstrom all the way.
0: Um, yeah, I I think he, he went out in the lead. And Nubay caught him during the race. And then he was... Uh, uh, just uh, in front of Nubai in the finish. And uh, I was talking to Nubai afterwards and I I, I asked him, uh, when you're running like this in a and Nightleg, yeah, do you know you are in the lead? And uh, then he said with a uh, glimp gl- in his eyes that uh, even when I was uh, not in the lead, I, I knew I was in the lead. Or at least I thought, thought so. Then I caught up the leader and then, then I knew I was in the lead. So uh, That's how the self-confidence should be. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah.
1: Other people that were building good confidence this year, weekend, uh, if we jump to the middle distance, we have two young runners winning here. Uh, in the women's class, Eleonora Alinder uh, won four seconds ahead of Veronica Halimina, with Sabina Aumu 21 seconds behind. Uh, so here we have two of the runners, that the, 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 the junior runners that have been changing club to Göteborg Eleonora Alinder and Sabina Aumon. Uh, performing at the high senior level already. Uh, good start for them.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting uh, to see that uh, and us are, are uh, yeah, in good shape and uh, showing their skills uh, that early. And uh, there was a guy in the men's class also showing quite good skills, I think.
1: Yeah, uh, Axel Elmblaar. Uh, he won with big, big margin uh, in a quite strong field. Uh, not not the most famous names, but still like this is runners that are doing pretty well in the big relays and also in some Swedish champs, Swedish league races. Uh, so it's a big, big, big sign of uh, big things to come when Axel Enblad wins a race like this with uh, almost three minutes ahead of Heino Olin uh, and then with the experienced Vettelrydbrotn in third place, three and a half minutes down. Uh, I think in... In such a terrain, you know, so flat uh, and quite fast running. I mean, the, the kilometer time was just about 4.30. Uh, then it's really impressive to be able to put the big, big difference into the other runners.
0: Yeah, I think it will be interesting, uh, the selection races in Sweden, even though they have uh, pre-selected a couple of guys. Uh, the door is not closed, uh, I think. And uh, if blood is keeping up his uh, high speed and good orienteering, yeah. It can make it challenging for uh uh Carl and uh Hukan Karlsson to uh, select the team. Yeah, I
1: mean, for the Swedish team, there is always a very big competition uh, for the last spots, so that will be something to look forward to see the selection races there.
0: Uh, we jump to the long distance on uh, Sunday, uh, or uh, yeah. Uh, a long distance in Sweden is uh, 60 minutes this weekend, and in uh, Denmark it was uh, uh, yeah, 80 and uh, 95 minutes. So yeah, some uh, differences there, but even though...
1: Yeah, you know, that's the best thing about these uh, a bit smaller competitions in Sweden. You know, the, the middle distance, the winning time is often below 30 minutes. If you're really lucky, you get one that put like 25 minutes. And also the long distance races is sometimes yeah, 55 to 60 minutes. Uh, you don't have these 90 minute races every week. Uh, so it's quite comfortable to run these races. Um, but I mean, if you're going to win, you have to run fast and you have to do good orienteering. And um, In the women's class, Veronica Kalimina, she got her second win. Uh, good weekend for her with two victories and a second place. Uh, this time she won... Yeah, 40 seconds ahead of Marlin Agevi Kristiansson, the Danish runner that is running for IFG And then in third place, we have the Finnish runner Anna Nairi from Laden Solnistaj at two and a half minutes behind.
0: Uh, it was, uh, yeah, quite good weekend for uh, Kalina now uh, there. Uh, she's showing uh, good shape uh, and she will probably be uh, a yeah, last leg runner for uh, leading uh, in the relays, don't you think? Yeah, I think she was running
1: last leg in both Team milan last year uh, and leading uh, women's side had a really good relay season last year. They were performing well at both Team Mila and, and I and yeah, they are one team to look out for also this year and it's always good to have a, a good last leg runner and so far this season it seems like Halini nice is in good route to, to reach a high level for the relays.
0: And in the men's class uh, there was an interesting win also. Yeah,
1: big win. Uh, Gustav Runefors from Veksche. Uh, he won uh, with more than five minutes ahead of the experienced Erik Iverson Sandberg and then with the Norwegian Eivind Jermstad in third place almost eight minutes behind. Uh, some of the best runners uh, from earlier this weekend like Axel Elmbla, Filip uh, Ossiansson uh, and uh, Timon Wikström. Uh, they are not uh, in the results list and on Sunday, so if they were running the difference probably would have been uh, smaller, but Gustav Runeforst is a, is a really, really good runner. Um, he was uh, running j back in 2019 when he was 19 and doing quite well. I think he was in the top 10 at the sprint at least. And he was, yeah, you know, he belongs to that generation that lost their chance to run their, the last year j uh, in 2020. So... Because of that, maybe he's a, still a bit uh, less known than he would have been if he had been able to run the jaywalk. Uh, but he's certainly a good runner, and I think uh, when he's performing at this level, I think he he's starting to hope for uh, a really really good race in the in the selection races, not not far from now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, correct. It's easy for going under the radar for those uh, who lost their uh, last year uh, at the jaywalk. Yeah. But uh, he had a podium position when he was nineteen. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, in the sprint as you mentioned. So yeah, a really, really good performance uh, from him uh, from him uh, this uh, Sunday. Um, yeah. yeah. Just continue. Oh
1: yeah, no. So I think um, uh, we should jump from cold Denmark, cold Sweden to uh, someplace warmer.
0: Yeah, um, in uh, Slovenia, uh, Lipica Open.
1: Yeah, that's one of the classics uh, in the in the early spring. Uh, I think it's the yeah, I, it it has to be the biggest biggest race in that part of uh, of Europe if we count like the Southeast Europe. Uh, Lipica Open is every year a quite good start field. Uh, it seems like they have uh, always interesting terrains uh, some of the maps are quite fascinating uh, and it's a five-day race so when we are recording this on monday evening there's been three races uh, but still two races to go so we will only talk about the first three races here and then we will come back with the, the rest in in the next episode
0: yeah and uh, and it was a middle uh, distance uh, they started with and uh, yeah yeah, so
1: in the in the middle distance on Saturday, if we start with the with the women, uh, Janka Mikes, or Janka Mikes, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. She's a young Hungarian runner. Uh, she won the women 16 at the European U20 Championships last year. Uh, so this is her first year in the junior class, and here she is winning in the senior class uh, against some pretty good runners. Uh, in second place, Jasmina Gassner, She was seven seconds behind um, the Austrian girl. She was, uh, yeah, she's at a quite good level. Last year, she was two times in the top ten at the World Student Champs. And then we also have Sila Gardoni that was in third place. I think she's former. Is she a former Junior World Championship or winner or a medalist at least? Um, so good competition here and a very impressive win by the seventeen-year-old. Janka Mikes.
0: Yeah, I think uh, she at least was a uh, medalist uh, in, uh, yeah, um, in uh, Hungary, uh, in home soil. Uh And now it's five years ago.
1: Yeah. And in the in the men's class, we had some Hungarian runners here as well. Um, the, the the reigning middle distance junior world championship, Soltan Boudouso, uh, he was one of the favourites and he was the number two on the first day. Uh, one minute and nine seconds behind the Swede Gustav Hinder uh, with the Austrian runner Matthias Pieter two, a bit over two minutes behind. And it's quite impressive, Gustav Hinder. Uh, last weekend he was doing Vasaloppe, uh, the 90-kilometer ski race in Sweden, and then now down to Slovenia to do orienteering and he's winning in his first start. So that's a good start of the orienteering season for him.
0: Yeah, that's uh, from the skis to yeah uh, to uh, to uh, beat uh, those uh, good guys in that field. Yeah, yeah, quite quite impressive.
1: Yeah, and you know uh, both Sultan Boudoso and Matias Piet. You know we have seen them. We have talked about them earlier this winter several times when they have been running world ranking events in Spain, Portugal. So you know they have already been in the orienteering mode for for several weeks, several months already in winter, while Gustav in there is coming straight from a ski season. Uh, so that's a, a good win for him.
0: And uh, the second day, um, how uh, was it for uh, the... Yeah, the, yeah. So the second day was a long
1: games. distance. Yes, it was a long distance, and once again, Janka Mikes, she won in the women's class, and... Uh, on the first day, she won with seven seconds. The second day, she won with nine seconds. This time ahead of her uh, national team colleague, Sophia Sarkozy, uh, with the Austrian Jasmina Gassner 29 seconds behind. Uh, and then we had in fourth place here, we have Ursula Fesselhofer, uh, the experienced Austrian runner. But she was beaten by the, by the 17-year-old with two minutes this time.
0: And uh, in the men's class, there was uh, also a young runner winning... Yeah, so Soltan Boudouso, second place in the first race.
1: This time he took the win. uh, One and a half minute ahead of the home runner Mark Bogotay, the Slovenian runner. Um, And then with the experienced Latvian runner Martin Siermajz, one forty-eight behind. And this race was really, really close. Uh, Soltan Boudouso, he won with one and a half minute, but it was nine runners within two and a half minutes. So behind Soltan, it was super close.
0: Yeah, it's uh, interesting also that we have... uh... Uh, quite a lot of uh, different nations uh, uh, up in the top here. Yeah, in, in the women's class, you
1: know, we have had uh, basically only Hungarian and Austrian runners in the top, while in the men's class, we have Hungarians, we have Swedes, we have Latvian runners, we have Austrian runners, and also Slovenian. Uh, and I must say, I'm really impressed by the Slovenian runner uh, Mark Bogutai, to be. Yeah, only one and a half minute behind such a good runner as Soltan Boydoso and also ahead of yeah, some pretty solid names. Uh, of course, Martin Sirmas is getting quite old now and it's uh, 15 years ago since he was at his peak winning medals at European Champs. Uh, but he is still a very, very good runner and so are the ones that were outside the podium on this race. So really impressed by the home runner.
0: And uh, who... Uh... Uh, the runner impressed most uh, is uh, the girl who is so far doing a, yeah, a strike in winning.
1: Yeah, so three races, three wins for Jan Mikis. Uh, I mean, you can't uh, dream of a better start of the season. Uh, in today's middle distance, she won with uh, 50 seconds ahead of the Finnish runner Mayu Oksanen. And then with Silla Sardoni in third place, uh, one minute behind. So, you know, three wins out of three races, perfect. And it's so impressive by such a young runner and definitely one we should look out for in the Junior World Championship uh, in the summer. Uh, Even if she's only 17, uh, she's proved last year when she won the European U Champs uh, that she can... And now this weekend that she's already at a very, very high level, even if it's only her first year in junior class. And we know that historically... Hungary, they have had so many guys and girls that have been doing really well at the Junior World Championship. Uh, in the women's class the last few years, you had with Rita Maramorosi, uh Dominic Camero, uh, Victoria Mag, Silla Gardoni, uh, Sofia Sarkozy. So, so many Hungarian runners that have been winning medals in j in the last few years. And yeah, Mikies, she can. I'm sure she can do it uh, this summer already.
0: But uh, you know, in Norway, we have this uh, this uh, quote that uh, a guy or a girl is a Wednesday runner. Uh, even if it was a Monday today, it was uh, not uh, not uh, important competitions in March. So yeah, she need to perform when it's uh, yeah when it's getting hot and it's the uh, big events also.
1: Of course, but uh, as she is the reigning champion in European Youth Championship. Um... I will assume that she can she can deal with some 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 nerves for the big competitions as well. Uh, but then, you know, the most interesting part will be to follow her five years in the future, 10 years in the future, because we have seen so many times the last few years that the, the Hungarian runners are really good at AOC, they're really good at j And then when they reach the elite class, uh, the World Cup, the World Championship, the European Championship, uh, they struggle
0: to be competitive. Yeah, there was uh, one um, senior uh, national team coach. Uh, he always said uh, it was quite hard with the uh, junior coming up uh, uh, every year. He said uh, those medals you got in the junior class, that's uh, plastic medals. Here is the <laughs> senior class uh, coming for you, and it's now it's counting. But uh, even though, yeah, it's uh, never bad to do good races, and it's. Uh, uh, really good if you can do it often so yeah three in a row yeah, it's a good strike
1: of course you know the 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 senior medals like the world championship medals that's what counts but it's also really important to remember that uh, winning junior races that's uh, a lot of fun and you you can create some great memories even if you never win the win the big stuff
0: and who won um yeah the monday uh, stage in uh, manchester yeah, so here we had the uh, Austrian winner, Matthias Reiner. Uh,
1: 10 seconds ahead of Martin Sirmas and then with Gustav in there in third place. Also here, it was uh, pretty close. 11 runners within two and a half minutes. Uh, so I, think, I would say that looking at the results from, from the races, uh, I would say that all three races have been very, very close. Uh, and I've been looking at the map and I think uh, it looks like it's been quite challenging. Uh, but maybe it's easier in real life than it looks on the map and that's why there has been uh, quite close races because if it's really really difficult one would assume that uh, there would have been more mistakes and bigger differences
0: uh, yeah but uh, yeah it's uh, interesting also uh, with uh, yeah the waslop uh, skier oh. in there uh, doing uh, two podium positions uh, in his uh, yeah what would you call it for him an uh, orienteering position? Uh, vacation down there maybe.
1: Uh, yeah so something like that
0: uh, I mean he now we maybe talk about him like he,
1: people who don't know him might think he's one of the one of the best skiers and that's not uh, that's not the case uh, I saw him on TV when he was doing waslope because at one of the uh, TV passages, he was together with one of the best girls. So, I mean, he's a he's a good skier, but he's not a, he's a not uh, not near the top of the ski classic races. So, I would say that he's more of an orienteer than a skier, and uh, I would say that this is there for the start of the orienteering season and not the orienteering vacation.
0: Uh, but, uh, actually, uh, Lipice Open in Slovenia, pretty exotic orienteering going down there. um and, uh, yeah, we've seen uh, both in, uh, in the PGA Open and Orienteering Online Cup. Uh, and uh, many have uh, uh, gone from north of uh, Europe and down there to, to compete and uh, train Orienteering. Have you been there uh, so far? No, unfortunately not.
1: Uh, but uh, Slovenia is definitely on my bucket list. Uh, I mean, the maps from the, this region always looks pretty cool. Uh, so it's something that I, I see it every year, and I think, oh maybe, maybe next time next year, uh, I'm not sure when it will be, but uh, of course I have to go there someplace sometimes
0: in the future. Uh yeah. Uh if you should uh, make a list, or who will uh, be the top of the list for most exotic or interior country we've been to so far in your career? Yeah, I'm.
1: I'm. I'm not one of those who has the best list for this kind of stuff but uh, it has to be serbia where i ran the european youth championship back in 2009 it was somewhere up in the Kopanik mountains some kind of ski resort uh, area and i remember the terrains is uh, yeah i mean they were quite nice the runnability was good the technical difficulties were challenging and i think it's been organized some ra- yeah some races there Afterwards, Coponic Open or something—I think the name was—but I'm not sure if that's still a thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of lot of nice orienteering places uh, in in the southeast and part of Europe.
0: Yeah, quite uh, quite exotic uh, with uh, Serbia, but uh, now we will uh, take a step further east uh, to the other side of the Black Sea uh, to uh, Georgia, actually, and see what they were up to there uh, orienteering wise. In the National Orienteering Podcast, we uh, had a tip that uh, there is uh, something interesting going on in uh, Tbilisi in Georgia, and um, uh, I uh, know Grace Malloy from uh, J-Walk uh, 2019, but uh, I was getting in contact with uh, her uh, brother, Peter. Are you here, uh, Peter?
2: Yes, hello, I'm here. Good to be on the podcast.
0: Yes, uh, as we know, you ran the j last year, but uh, now we will talk about uh, you are doing some uh, yeah, studying. Was it you going to uh, Tbilisi for studying uh, half a year ago or something?
2: Yes, that's correct. So I, I study uh, modern languages in the UK. So I study French and Russian and we do a year abroad. Obviously, I'm not allowed to go to Russia. So an alternative option was found for me in Tbilisi in Georgia. So I've just completed actually a six month. Uh, study placement in Georgia so I, I moved out there um, just after World Universities in fact at the end of August and I arrived back here uh, into Scotland a few days ago and yeah that's how that's how I was in
0: Tbilisi yeah and uh, as we all know uh, when orienteers going abroad we are looking for some orienteering and orienteering competitions and uh, and you didn't find anything um, coming up uh, in the calendar as I understand
2: no, I didn't. I knew that there had been orienteering in Georgia um around a decade ago, but beyond that there wasn't anything to see. Um and there is actually a lot of of running in Georgia, a lot of running races um which is quite popular amongst Georgians and and Russians who are living there at the moment as well. Um but I was I was looking for some I was I was hoping there was a way we could do some orienteering and um, the opportunity arose through this uh, Tbilisi Running Club, which I'm a part of. Um, And they asked me, because they knew that I was doing this orienteering and I was doing the running, they asked me if I could give a presentation on orienteering. And I said, well, I'm happily, you know, I would happily give a presentation, but why, that's a bit boring. You know, we might as well, we might as well do some orienteering. And I didn't really, at the time, think about the consequences of this commitment because it meant that i would have to make a map and plan the courses and organize an event but anyway i did uh, and this was back in november just after after i'd come back from jaywalk and we had uh, over 40 people taking part in our first event and that was uh that was really the start of um of orienteering of the most recent iteration i should say of orienteering in georgia
0: so um and uh, then you had to uh, do all uh, the map-making, course-setting and everything uh, in your hands. Or how was this uh, from uh, the start to the end, uh, so to say?
2: So, yeah. So originally, um, originally it was it was just me for the first event um, with, with the help of a couple of other people in the running club who actually didn't, they, they're not orienteers, um, but they were just keen to help um, me with, with small things to do with the organization. But then the great thing was that, having organised this event, I um, I was then put into contact, or a lot of people made contact with me, um, and these were people uh, who had been orienteering um, for the most part in Russia, and then had moved to Tbilisi, and like me, were also looking to do some orienteering. And from that, uh, I came into contact with some really really helpful uh, friends, and we've built we've built up uh from that i should say
0: and then uh, you got, got some help and um, uh, did you do uh, orienteering races uh, weekly or uh, how was it uh, from then on
2: yeah so we organized our first race uh well I, I organized the first race towards the end of november and then the next race <coughs> we organized on uh, the 25th of December which was christmas day for me but it's not christmas day in georgia because they go by the orthodox calendar so their christmas is on the 7th of january and then our most recent race was on the 12th of february um and yeah so we're, we're averaging at the moment about a race every four to five weeks um obviously we have to for all the races we're doing we're having to make the map as well um which adds a little bit of time to the organization so we we can't go really quickly um, with the organisation, but I think we've got ourselves into a, a good uh, a good rhythm as such with the with the planning and organising of races.
0: Yeah, uh, how is it with the map making? Uh, do you have any good base maps, or uh, is it from a uh, uh, clean paper? Are you doing it, and uh, uh, is it easy or difficult this one?
2: So the the map making's been a real um, a real learning experience for me um and and for all of us because we've been using a mixture of different resources there are a few maps in georgia um from around a decade ago a few orienteering maps which are they're really good maps but obviously they're very out of date now so we've been using them and updating them and then a lot of the mapping we've been doing is is from scratch um using them as base maps. And we've spent a lot of time in these areas, walking around, surveying as usual, taking photos. We've had a lot of people who have, in some cases, no interest or no prior knowledge of orienteering who want to help us because they enjoy filming and taking photos and they can send us these things. And so it's been a real... um, it's been a real a real team effort um but i jan if you want to maybe add something as well because you've been a, a massive role in the in the map making as well so I...
3: <laughs> yes <laughs> yes thank you thank you uh yeah uh we just had some uh, maps for uh from uh last decade from previous decade uh about uh, 2013 it was two maps, and uh, in these two maps, we just to make uh, we just made some edits and uh, uh, renew these maps and uh, organized uh, uh, two competitions. And for the next races, we now don't have any uh, base maps, and we just uh, created the maps uh, from the uh, from the wild paper maybe
0: <laughs> so so yeah that's a quite difficult uh, work but uh, how many maps do you have now to uh, alternate uh, during competitions and so on
3: yes uh, now I fixed about uh, 16 regions in uh, near Belize uh, for uh, next or engineering uh, maps and now uh, I'm creating the third map uh, and uh, in in my plans, uh, I think I will be uh, create uh, one map uh, uh, one map per month.
0: One uh, that's uh, that's quite uh, amazing, I think, uh, because this is uh, yeah uh, voluntarily working, as far as I know. Yes, 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 well, yes. yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I, unfortunately, we don't have so much time for this, and uh, we uh, we work only. Uh, on on our weekends for mapping, and uh, <laughs> it's yeah. uh, really it's really hard yes, to uh, to create uh, maps about maybe uh, six or seven days uh, if, uh, if 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 I mean only weekends and uh, yeah. m- before next competition. But uh, we do, uh, but we are doing it <laughs> and continue doing yeah. it now.
0: Yeah, and for how long have you planned competitions? And uh, how far is your looking? Uh, yeah, uh, do you look uh, through all this uh, 2023 season of orienteering, or uh, how how mm-hmm. far uh, have you been looking? What's the goal? Uh, yeah, have you any v- visions uh, for the future?
3: Yes, uh, now we are uh, uh, now we bought uh, equipment for orienteering. I mean triangle or kids and uh, pin punched for orienteering uh, and for maybe for beginning it it bec- uh, it's cool uh, and uh, in my plans uh, about maybe six or seven orienteering competitions in this year i mean from march to december
0: really good and uh, and you and you have this in a calendar already or is it more uh... Yeah, uh, popping up uh, when it's uh, getting closer.
3: Uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe not exactly calendar, but only thoughts in my head. Uh, because each competition, we need to improve. Uh, uh no, no, we need to. Uh, cre- um, we need to get agreement. Uh, from uh, government.
0: Yeah, permission to run in the forest and, and use the areas for uh, orienteering. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that's it,
2: correct, yeah.
0: How is it for you then, uh, Peter, to be in Scotland and look at this? Uh, uh, are you eager to go back and uh, yeah, look at the how, is, how is it going in Tbilisi? Or what's your thoughts? And um, yeah, do you have any motivations to go and uh, practice more of your uh, uh, language skills and orienteering learning down uh, in uh, Tbilisi?
2: Yeah, so, well... Firstly, I should say I I was really, really sad um, to leave Tbilisi because I absolutely loved living. I loved living there. I loved being in Georgia. It's it's an amazing country, which I think a lot more people should go and visit because it is just the most stunning place uh, with some incredible uh, mountains and landscape and all that. But um, yeah, I am definitely, definitely keen to be back, uh, to be going back to Tbilisi at some point in the near future. Obviously, I would hope to be having a pretty busy uh, international orienteering schedule over the 2023 season. And that makes things a bit, a bit more difficult, but you know, we have to wait and see, maybe not this year, but definitely next year. I will, I will really try my best to be, to be back in Tbilisi. I'm actually, as part of this year abroad, my next uh, country I'm going to is uh, Kyrgyzstan in Central Asia. Um, So maybe they want to do some orienteering there. I don't know. I think, I'm not sure if there are any maps there, to be honest, but that could be another another adventure to 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 see. But I think um, I'm really glad actually, because I was worried when I first organised this event back in November. I thought, well, this will just happen once, and it will never happen again, and that seems like a shame. But I'm so glad that there's such a fantastic team now with Jan and with the others, and they're just they've got this fantastic motivation, and they've got the great they've got great skills. And they're really um, they're really keen to keep going with these events, and I think, you know, it's uh, it's fantastic that we have this uh, this drive to keep organising new things. And yeah, as you can see, the numbers are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time. And you know, we're putting on all these events for free as well, which I think is great. Um, and we're trying to make them accessible to everyone. So, and we've had a massive range of people. We've had. We've had Georgians, we've had Ukrainians, Belarusians, Russians, a few Scottish people have been, which I'm very pleased about, um, and yeah, we're just hoping to attract as many people as possible. We've not had many kids so far, but hopefully we can get a few more kids involved as well. Um, but I, I think it's very exciting uh, what could be happening in Georgia over the coming months and uh, and beyond that as well.
0: And that, that looks uh, really, it sounds really motivating, but... Uh... When you have this knowledge, uh, it's uh, too uh, too bad if you go to Kyrgyzstan uh, without doing uh, kind of the same. But it uh, it's, it takes a lot of effort. Uh, uh, but uh, do you think? Uh, yeah, to ask Jan, uh, how how, uh, how long uh, will it be uh, to we will see a federation and something in uh, Tbilisi and around this activity? Do you have any, or is it most important to get it going? Uh, yeah, on a race, uh, on a monthly basis.
3: Uh, now, in, in our plans to reborn uh, the orienting Federation in Georgia, yes, and uh, try to contact with the, uh, with the sports government, with the sports ministry, and uh, try to create a, a local event uh, for every year, for next year uh uh that is what uh, that it will be officially yeah yes and uh, of course uh, now after uh Peter leaving <laughs> yeah we uh, said too, but we now have um, a group of orangeers yes uh, we uh, continue to creating the map uh, the maps and uh, we're trying to uh, create some uh, some lessons for uh, New competitors, uh, competitors for learning or for creating the base, for learning and uh, etc. Yeah,
0: and uh, uh, this is really motivating to hear. And uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, for uh, uh, will it will be possible for us um, from other countries to go and uh, do orienteering in Tbilisi or Georgia uh, soon? Do you think?
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think. Um... Yeah, as I said before, people, all orienteers should be looking to have Georgia as, as one of their um, next holiday destinations. You know, as a European, you can get there without a visa. It's cheap. It's got the best food in the world, and it's got the best mountains in the world as well, so you should go there anyway. But I think yeah, we're just building up this fantastic set of maps in and around Tbilisi um, already, and we've there's a really nice mix of terrain. We've got some some more sprint areas, forest areas, park areas, you know, and it's it's great. And I I think, um, well, I think both Jan and I have this uh, have this real hope and this uh, this desire that soon enough there will be orienteers who are not coming who are coming to Georgia not only just because it's a great country to come to, but also maybe to even do some orienteering as well. I think that would be properly awesome. Um, and I really yeah. hope that that's, that will happen. I hope yeah. so, likewise that.
3: I hope yeah. too, likewise, that, that in, in the future we will create Georgian or meeting.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that will be really good. Uh, and uh, at least now we have uh, pinpointed it in the International Orienteering podcast. And we will uh, get back to you maybe uh, later in this uh, 2023 season to hear uh, how you're doing yeah, and uh, about the progression uh, at the Georgian Orienteering. It was uh, really nice yeah. to have uh, this conversation with you. And I must have to say, um, keep up uh, the good work, uh, both of you.
2: Thank you very much.
3: Thank you very much. We love orientering and continue creating events in Georgia.
0: Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. With the last part to go. Georgia, Tbilisi or orienteering uh, f- from uh, Peter Malloy and his uh, company there in uh, Tbilisi. Uh, what do you think about that, uh, Ivo? It was quite um, uh, exotic.
1: Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. Uh, I don't know much about Georgia at all. Uh, and, you know, only that I've seen it on the, the map and it's really far from Norway. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, Peter, he does a great job at selling in Georgia as a travel destination, both uh, without orienteering, but now also with the orienteering that is going on there. Uh, so it's uh, yeah interesting to hear how they start from scratch. Uh, I mean, they had some maps that were a decade old, 10 years old, uh, outdated, and how yeah Peter is able to get people that are not orienteers at all to be involved in organizing and making maps and yeah that's a cool story
0: yeah map making from a uh, white paper uh, <laughs> that's uh, that could be yeah you need to have uh, uh yeah your uh, drawing skills good then and, and uh, yeah the compass but must be uh, uh, directed uh, towards the right uh, part of north and uh, but also i think it's cool uh, yeah we can post some pictures uh, when you see uh, the Calavan Rastisuth uh, from uh, Peter. Yeah, some of the best club in uh, the world. And he is there with the novice or interiors uh, just uh, trying to teach them to get around the course uh, in uh, Tbilisi. Yeah, st- starting from scratch. Uh, you need to be quite uh, motivated.
1: Yeah, but that's also a good thing because, uh, you know, with people that has no... Uh, vision of what orienteering is when they get to try it you know they can they get to see everything in a whole different way than what we are seeing it as we have grown up with it so I think uh, there's plenty of examples of people that have started uh, yeah in a bit older age and they, you know the uh, the way they feel about orienteering is uh, really something special so maybe in 10 15 20 years Georgia will be a a great touring destination.
0: Yeah, uh, we didn't mention it uh, here, and uh, and uh, but I think uh, Georgia. Uh, talking about it, uh, we uh, Peter mentioned the food, but uh, I've also heard rumors about uh, Georgia being one of the best uh, countries for red wine in uh, the whole Europe. So uh, for, uh, yeah, uh, not uh, top athletes, but uh, veterans going on a vacation or something, it could be a good uh, destination.
1: Of course, yeah. Yeah, and then it will be, I mean, uh, Peter, he also mentioned that he hopes he will get uh, the intense or season this year. Uh, It's his first year in the elite class. He was running pretty well at J-Walk last year, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do this season. Uh, We know that, yeah, I mean it's not too harsh to say that uh, if we look the last three four years, uh, I think the British men has uh, generally been underperforming internationally uh, in the forest orienteering park. Uh, it's only basically it bas- it's basically only Ross Street that has been competitive at a higher international level. Uh, so I think Peter he will have a fair chance to get into the British team for especially for the World Cup uh, races, uh, but also could be a candidate for the, the World Championship team.
0: Yeah, I not to be too harsh, harsh but uh, I don't like the term uh, underperforming. Uh, you're performing on okay. your level. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so definitely, Peter could have a chance. Uh, but uh, uh, to have a chance there, he needs to uh, have his IOF license uh, in order. And uh, we got the news that... Uh, IOF uh, has uh, has uh, made some uh, dig- digital uh, process for uh, the, this license from this season and onwards um, and to uh, to just uh, uh, talk about that a little uh, uh, fast, uh, I think everything that is making things easier is uh, good. so uh, uh, we don't can do anything else but uh, be positive to that even though it's getting a bit uh, more expensive because of the development's cost and uh, the current inflations in the whole world
1: yeah so the price goes up from 30 euros to 40 euros so it's not a it's not a massive change uh, and i think this is only relevant for runners that are aiming for international events at senior level uh, so world championship world cup european championship uh so it's not uh i don't think it's a big deal that it's going up a little bit in price
0: no uh the, the most important is uh, to make uh, yeah those um uh, bureaucratical things easy to deal with so yeah uh but uh, we can uh, look forward a bit uh, what we will be dealing with the next episode yeah so uh,
1: next weekend there is uh... Once again, quite a big race in Sweden. Uh, we've had Sverige Premieren in Kristianstad. We have a Holland's Premieren in, in Holland this weekend. And next weekend, there is Göteborg's Premieren in Gothenburg. So, yeah, you know, the Swedish spring organizers, they are not very creative when it comes to the names of the race, but uh, let's hope the course setters uh, are more creative. So in the weekend that is coming now, there's a night race on Friday, middle distance on Saturday, and a long distance on Sunday. It looks to be decent start fields in both men and women elite. Uh, A bit thin for the night race, but um, quite good level for middle and long distance. Uh, And of course, it has been snow in Gothenburg in the last week, but uh, I've seen that the organizers, they are expecting it to be gone by the race day. And so far, it seems like the races will go ahead as planned. And that's—I hope so—because then we have something to talk about next week as well. Uh,
0: but uh, I think you said they're not so uh, creative, uh, but in that, but with their names. Uh, but uh, the Premier, I think that's a new uh, competition weekend coming up uh, this year, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's uh, maybe it has been one year or something before, but uh, yeah, it's it's not one of the Wild Valley Premier and then Holland's Premier, and they are. Quite traditional races, this is something new, yes.
0: Uh, new uh, races to talk about uh, next uh, week, uh, and do we have some uh, hot and not uh, this uh, week? Yeah, uh, I think we should uh, go out with the hot and not this week, so
1: I'm giving the hot to Peter Molloy and Jan Sundqvist, uh, the two guys in 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 the in the charge of the orienteering in Georgia, uh, it's really it was really really nice to hear that interview. Some some really cool stuff going on there. So uh, big thank you to both of those. So they get uh, hot hot
0: this week. And do we have any not?
1: Yeah uh, yeah yeah of course. Uh, so I'm giving the not to you know the Swedish weather that has cancelled races in Stockholm uh so while they are aiming to organize in in Gothenburg, they canceled in stockholm uh, and it's a shame because uh, in stockholm it was planned the first swedish spring relay uh, the coming weekend uh, but because of the snow the organizers Attunda, has decided to move the race two weeks uh, so then we need to wait one and a half week from now until we get the first spring relay with the traditional morsen and stuff yeah and
0: uh but we will be back with Jutaboks uh, premiere and uh, next uh, week. So uh, stay tuned and listen bye to Ivornational orienteering podcast. Ivornational orienteering podcast. Map and compass. Navigation skill. Orienteering competition. I'm Running like a motherfucker. Ivornational orienteering podcast.